Lamar Jackson's a great passer, and I want to see just some nasty, like, physical guy like Terrace Marshall Jr., a guy like him that could bring that big body and just give you a little extra something. Like, I know Sammy Watkins is there, but I would like a little extra something. Look, the, the Ravens have been the gold standard, and that's from the top-down coaches, front office, analytics, everyone. And that's actually a big difference maker because a lot of people's egos get in the way. In some teams, it feels like the analytics are like, gotcha. So the big dateable, you talked to John Harbaugh <laughs> and, uh, you know, what takeaways did you have from that? Let's be honest, nobody does it better and nobody has used it better and nobody's more like honest about how they're using it. And what I really noticed about my best friend, John, was that he could clearly articulate what his expectations were. And that is the difference between a successful use of analytics and not. Welcome into the lounge. We have a very special guest. The run continues, Garrett. The run continues. <laughs> Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network is going to be joining us today. Uh, if you followed her work, you've seen that she's an analytics expert. Uh, so she brings like a different kind of look at things. So I'm really excited about this interview. Yeah, and the other thing too is, as we know, the Ravens are a team that really values analytics. They've they've invested in this heavily on the personnel side, on the coaching side over the past several years. So. When they're making decisions in-game, around the draft, around free agency, as they're building the roster, they are taking an analytical approach to everything that they do. And so it's going to have it's, it's going to be really valuable to hear what Cynthia has to say. And, and the other thing, too, is like this is a year, as we've heard from some of the experts that we've talked to, like no one really knows what's going to happen this year. Like there's just so much uncertainty about how this draft is going to go. And so kind of taking out some of the emotion and uh, just – Talking with somebody who's looking at the the numbers, I think is going to be some a real valuable exercise here. Yeah, uh, for all the listeners at home, of course you can tune into the draft on the NFL Network. They'll have live coverage uh, from Cleveland, April 29th through May first. So make sure you tune in for that. It's less than a week away, Garrett. It less is than a week away. I can't wait. Have Have you slept? This is this is the time typically where the sleep for you goes out the window because you're you're tankering you're minkering over the mock draft i know you are i i literally last night was like dozing off on my couch <laughs> at about 11 o'clock working f- <laughs> i'm not even joking it was like the seriously like the fifth or sixth straight night of me minkering with my seven round mock and last <laughs> night I, i've like usually stayed up past midnight and last night i was dozing off around 11 15 and i was like that's it i'm just calling it early tonight i'm going to bed i'm, I'm not doing this again so it's not set yet still still more time you get you keep a little notebook on the nightstand in case there's any dream that comes to you (laughs) and any premonition to give you uh the idea of who you're gonna take yeah this is um i'll this is the last thing i'll say about the mock draft this is the worst i felt so far in in recent years i'm all over the place i've I've changed my pick 20 different times i'm i'm going down your path i'm going down your path so i love it yeah i love it it's not good. You can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Uh, let us know who you want the Ravens to take. Uh, and also let us know uh, how you think this draft is going to play out. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Cynthia Freeland. We are thrilled to be joined by Cynthia Freeland, analytics guru for the NFL Network. And Cynthia, this is really good because 
you know, I have to listen to Garrett, and Garrett's not that smart a guy. And so now it's nice to have a smart person on this podcast for what You know, I'm not that smart either, Cynthia, to be honest. So it's good to have somebody on with some brain power. Yeah, you got to give us like the uh, sixth grade version of whatever you're talking about here today. That's that's our level that we're operating at today. <laughs> I don't buy that for one second. I've heard you guys before, number one. And number two, anything Ravens is always like the gold standard. So I... I'm not buying any of that. I'm not buying any of it. <laughs> well, it's it's really nice, too, because, uh, you know, you can only read so many standard mock drafts, and you kind of put a different spin on things with the analytical look uh, at mock drafts and kind of breaking down the draft from that kind of perspective. So, you know, I want to start here with in which you said that uh, LSU wide receiver Terrace Marshall Jr. kind of gives the Ravens the best. Uh, he's the best bang for the buck in terms of analytical, in terms of adding wins. You know, it's this team, which is what it's all about, right? You, you said he adds .61 wins if the Ravens were to draft him. So can you can you explain that a little bit, how you figure that out and why you think he's such a good fit? Well, first and foremost, I wasn't allowed to make trades in any of my scenarios, which is very difficult <laughs> because that's I want to trade everything. But when you look to see <laughs> what could be who could be available, where the Ravens are picking, and by the way, the Ravens never get to pick in a good spot because you guys end your seasons so well always so you're always picking quite low in that first round so it's it's <laughs> interesting to see who will be available how it will actually play out I like Terrace Michael Mar- Marshall Jr. excuse me because his big body his contested catch ability and his versatility in alignment the versatility in alignment he can line up all over any way they want to deploy him any way they want to use him and he came down with a almost 82 percent contested catch rate meaning someone was in his face a defender was all over him and he managed to come down with the ball on almost, it was like 81.8% of uh, targets. So a very high number. And that contested rate is really important given the defenses that you have to face playing in this division. It's always, you have to take into account, you know, personnel and also who you play. And if you're playing defenses mm-hmm. like the Steelers or like the Browns, the Browns have done a really good job this offseason adding to their defense. You're going to want to come down with someone who can make those contested catches. Mm. So you... Uh- I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I thought you made an interesting point about the trades. How you is that just because you like to try to work out those trades, or you look at where the Ravens are and you think that they are going to try to trade from number twenty-seven? I don't think that I don't think they they can trade up too far or too low. They're really good. Their sweet spot is kind of picking where right where they're picking. So the thing is, is it's anticipating who will be available in that position. So it's it's likely that you know, maybe an edge rusher or maybe, you know, one of, one of those positions will be available. So it will be a, a decision to make. I don't necessarily think the, the Ravens are going to be trading. I don't have any insider, insider information, information on that, but I think just in general to optimally, if you wanted to optimize the draft for as many teams getting what they need as possible, which of course there would, why would any team want to do that? But the trading would, would make the most sense there. Hmm. All right. Uh, you mentioned pass rusher too. What do you see as the biggest need for the Ravens? And also, you know, not just that, but from an analytics perspective, you know, different positions have different values. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Ravens don't need a quarterback, but, nope. you know, corner, cornerback, you know, pass rusher, some of these are more premier positions. So given what they kind of need, where the roster holes are and what the premier positions are, what do you see as kind of the spots for the Ravens to draft early? 
think that right tackle could be an interesting one. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with that situation. I haven't heard anything about it since the end of the season, but you know, I did hear rumors like everyone else that maybe he wants to play left. And if he's playing right, he doesn't, these are just rumors. So, you know, obviously (laughs) the tackle position, especially given the type of offense that uh, the Ravens like to run to me, you need a good O-line. You need to make sure that that's really fortified. In fact, if they could get, you know, there's a few guards that are pretty nasty too. If you get tackle guard, I mean, I don't know how that's not very sexy from the standpoint of who you're drafting, but you know, I don't know that insider information about what, what's going on with, you know, the, the actual, like who's where, but you can need some help. I mean, Marshall Yonda is not easily replaced and it didn't, it, it wasn't a great situation as well as it could have been. So, you know, I, I think you could upgrade there. So those are premier positions tackle for sure i think edge rusher could be interesting because at least the general consensus about this draft class is that there are no top 15 edge rushers maybe maybe no no top 10 for sure and then potentially Mm -hmm. with the way that the quarterbacks might shake out this may be the first time we've ever had quarterback go one two three four like in the history of the draft so you know it it just and so then there pushes it down then that means there's only six players till 10 to get an edge rusher so you know it could be that one of these better, you know, an edge rusher with a lot more upside that people think, oh, maybe he's like about 20, but because of the way that it, it nets out with where people are drafting, that could be one of those things that that's too, uh, too good to pass up. And this is a great corner draft as well. So corners are strong. Wide receivers are strong. There's a lot of good offensive linemen. And then I think a little deeper, you know, there, there's not quite that premier guy in the, in the um, edge rusher class, at least that is discernible. A lot of people, you know, did not play last season. So, you know, we, it's just a lot more variability amongst their potential projections. You know, one of the edge rushers who's been mocked to the Ravens fairly often is Jason Owe from Penn State. And I'm mm-hmm. just curious to get your perspective from the analytics side. Here's a here's a player who people look at, they say he's got the size, speed, intangibles, that side. But he didn't have a sack. So he doesn't have the stats, but he has the size, speed. So how do you, like, when you're looking at and you're breaking down a guy like that, how do the analytics come into play when you're trying to really project what he's going to be at the next level? Best thing I can do as an outsider is measure the things that everybody does. I don't know what he was asked to do. In fairness, I know more people at Penn State, so I could have asked a little <laughs> bit more. But if I know if I know too much about just one program and I don't know about the others, then the whole thing becomes messy. But the the way that you can look at it is what is the speed? His first, you know, the first two yards that he travels at the time the whistle's blown and the and the play starts. How far does he go? What's his speed so and velocity? Because you know his weight, right? So approximate velocity. How do you see him moving and and laterally and you know laterally in forward and backwards? How do you see him moving across the field? How does that compare across different years? Like that, who does he have a lookalike to, right? Like so in the data, mm-hmm. you can go find people who are more comparable in past seasons and see how they mapped out in a, a system like the Ravens would run or in a, in a different system, right. To see where the best fit might be. So when you look at a guy like that, it's for me, the, the thing that jumped off the paper and it's kind of a pun here is his, his burst was very good. His first. So to me, the first two yards, he traveled uh, how fast, how quickly he could get up to top speed. He was in the top. He was in a very top echelon. I looked in, at 10 seasons and I think, I think he ranked something like in the top, 10% or 15% amongst people for the past two. So that's a really strong indicator of success because you got to get through. If you can't, if you don't, if you can't get going quickly, you have a, a much harder time at the next level, bringing that pressure to the quarterback. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that analytics are going to be used by more front offices in this year's draft 
than in past years just because, you know, you had a lot of opt-outs. There's a lot of missing information, right? Do you think that the analytics will kind of help fill in the blanks there? Yeah, and I also think they can't cheat off each other's tests. Usually we go to Indianapolis, (laughs) you know, and you go to Indianapolis and everybody tries to peek over the shoulders of your guys at the Ravens and be like, what do they got on that linebacker? What are they like? And they can't do that this year. There's less cheating. You know, like you got to think for yourself. The group think is significantly reduced this year. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out, especially for some teams that don't. They, it's all about how they structure. It's, it's all about structure. That's what matters is structure. It doesn't matter really, you know, like in my, in, in my program, this is what I'm looking for in these things. And your ability to find that, you know, like who's the best edge rusher in this class. Maybe it's Quiddy pay. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Jalen Phillips. We don't know, but in a certain system, people are more or less likely to succeed, right? There's no, you know, there's no such thing as a non, I think everyone's a system, everything, you know, you're a system left mm-hmm. tackle, even you're a system quarterback here. <laughs> I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're, you know, Andrew Luck, right? Like uh, you're a system quarterback. Hmm. It all matters. Right. So g- going along with that, how have you seen the, prevalence the introduction of the analytics world alter the way that the teams draft in the past five ten years it seems like one thing that's really become very significant is just the the data that's available the gps data that college players have they're wearing the chips teams are able to get that information real-time speed all all so much information on that does that alter the importance of things like the 40-yard dash, the traditional metrics because i don't know it seems like you may not it may not be as important to tell how fast the guy runs in Indianapolis on an empty field when you can look at his entire season and see how he played at game speed. How has yeah. that changed things? So for the most part, the one thing that hasn't changed is the fact that like, and, and maybe even more important this season is the fact that at those pro days, which was the closest thing to the combine that we had this year, you want to like verify what you're seeing on tape. If a guy looked fast on film, you don't want him to come and run like a, you know, a very, very slow 40, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not going to, put you over it's not going to ding you you just want to kind of it wants to be sort of similar right like these numbers this year are ridiculous like the number of people who ran like sub four four is like (laughs) hilarious to me right but the point is is are you like are you respecting the process are you working out are you staying in shape like so it's it's less about the actual number and more about like don't give me a reason to go back and watch your tape again blah blah Mm -hmm. blah 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 and i think that the that, that what it's doing this season is it's creating a, an opportunity for teams to be really creative about how they're going to look at prospects going forward, because we all already knew that the 40 was garbage. Like, you know, this is not the first year that we thought like, Hey, you know, that doesn't really approximate much. Right. But it's now going to be something where, you know, even more than ever, like that's a procedure. Like, are, can you follow the rules? That's the combine's really about, can you follow the rules and not be a jerk when you're really tired and people have been poking and prodding and interviewing and annoying you for three days? Like, who are you when you're like a little bit stressed out? Right. Like, and now more than ever, it's just gonna be like, okay, even more, more of the same with that. But Mm. so I think they're just coming up with their own ways of thinking. I know a couple of different teams have reached out to me about different ways that they're thinking and internalizing the, the potential for, you know, using college data going forward. There's, you know, a couple of new like vendors in the marketplace that provide different technologies and they're trying to work with them to create something that gives them an edge. And I think it's cool to see how people become more creative and more interested in how to use the data and see it as an opportunity. Hmm. 
Right. Yeah. I, I think with all these pro day forties, you know, all these fast times, Garrett, you might've been able to get under five seconds. this year. Yeah. I think I might've this year. I think everybody's just running downhill. <laughs> they put the 40 time on yep. a hill and everyone's just running downhill this year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cynthia, you know, you mentioned teams getting more creative and, and the Ravens have really kind of been at the forefront of that, you know, in terms of analytics and, oh, yeah. you know, not only John Harbaugh on the coaching side with the fourth down decisions and things like that, but also on the scouting side. Can you just talk a little bit about what you know about the Ravens and how they approach analytics, I guess, particularly pertaining to the draft, but also as a whole team? Well, first of all, I got a chance to interview John Harbaugh for the Big Data Bowl, which was super yeah. fun. I was pretty obsessed with that. We had a we had a good time chatting. <laughs> uh, but uh, what I learned, I mean, look, the the Ravens have been the gold standard, so nothing that I hear surprises me when they're thinking creatively or coming up with new ways of thinking about, like you know, everything from what Daniel does on game days and and how you know and how he does that to kind of what happens in the off season with like, you know, Corey and what he does for, for the, for the draft prospects. The thing I will say that I really give the Ravens a ton of credit for is the self, um, the self-awareness, like they scout themselves and give themselves honest feedback and, and really improve their own ability to do everything. And that's from the top down coaches, front office analytics, everyone. And that's actually a big difference maker because a lot of people's egos get in the way in some teams. It feels like the analytics are like, gotcha right? Like trying to like prove something wrong or like whatever. Whereas the Ravens, it's really like, okay, like let's like sharpen our tools so that like when we're here to, you know, to do everything, we have like the best tools, the the most efficient, the most everything. Like, so that's, that's the difference. It's more about like viewing it as a truly uh, important and like the whole, the whole thing, like it's the standards that an integrity that the whole organization holds themselves to not just, you know, kind of one person being like, gotcha, I'm right. You're wrong. It's, it's a cohesive collaborative unit. Right. Yeah. And, and there's, and there's buy-in obviously, you know, yep. there's buy-in on the football, on the coaching side, there's buy-in on the scouting side. DaCosta has really championed yep. that for several years. And so obviously we're seeing that kind of come to fruition now. Um, have you seen, how would you put into perspective analytically, how impressive Lamar Jackson's first two seasons have been as a starter? I think it's the perfect marriage of what you're supposed to be doing with analytics, namely mm -hmm. that it's supposed to be um, the right system, the right learning, the right body type. So the right humans to do it and all of those things working together, right? It's, you got to learn, you got to teach people, right? You have to, um, you know, cause nobody comes out of college having seen all the different looks in the, from defenses that you see as an NFL player just don't. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's adapting to what you see reading defenses. It's the ability to run plays that make sense to everyone on the field from, you know, everyone, not just the quarterback. And really it's taking what Lamar Jackson's skill set happened to be and making the most out of all of them. Like for me, I'm never going to dunk a basketball. Like maybe if you give me a trampoline, like I could dunk a basketball, right? If I could <laughs> jump on it and get lucky and whatever, but I'm never going to do little that. Tikes. So, you go, you go on a little tight soup. You're good, <laughs> Cynthia. Exactly. Exactly. Regulation hoop. I'm garbage. So, so, but, but like, if you're going to ask me to dunk a basketball, like you're going to be disappointed forever. But if you set me up with a team where I can like pull it out, kick it out on the perimeter and take the three, like 
that's a better spot for me. You have a much better chance of us scoring points. If that's, if you're building a team around me, right. A basketball team around me. So really it's the Lamar, it's, it's the eye for seeing, okay, I, this Lamar Jackson puzzle piece makes sense to me. I understand how to use this and then finding all of the pieces around it that really everyone makes each other better. And that's, what's been so impressive because nobody comes out of fully, like I said, everyone's a system, everything, and no one comes out of fully formed anything. So you were to drop Lamar Jackson somewhere else, there would be not, not the level of success that he's having right now. Conversely, if you had the wrong fit for, if you tried to put like a, a different style quarterback in and ask them to do what Lamar Jackson, it wouldn't work. So it's the marriage right. of the two and the, and the back and forth of the two that really makes the thing magic. Right. And, and I think too, the Ravens coaching staff, you know, it was a very different offense with Joe Flacco. And especially when Lamar came in mid season, I mean, mid season in 2018 to change it up. That was really quite different. a feat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> can, can you, you mentioned, uh, you know, John Harbaugh and you're interviewing, interviewing him for the big data bowl. Pretty you sure we became data best data. friends. Data. <laughs> yeah. You go I, data. All right. I go you. with data to me. Like, you know, when people go to, so I like, I spent way too much money on my education. I have like a lot of masters and one of them is an MBA and finance people. I don't like when people say finance, I want to punch them in the face. So what? I've never heard that. That sounds ridiculous. Oh no. Ask any people who go to like fancy schmancy business school. I'm, I work in finance for Goldman Sachs. You're like, (laughs) so that's why I don't say, that's why I say data because data and finance and I like, Mm. and that's it. it, We don't say it the other way. Data, data, datable, like data right. finance. Right. No, not bougie like that. Still got to pay off my nice. student loans. Right. Then maybe someday. <laughs> so the big datable. There you you go. talked to John Harbaugh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what takeaways were there, did you have from that? And, and can you just tell our listeners a little bit about the big datable? Sure. Well, number one, uh, we became best friends. So my best friend, John, and I <laughs> talked about... Um, you can see it on YouTube. So the big data bowl is a competition where <laughs> college age students, as well as people who are already working in the data science community um, can submit, we'll give them a sample of our data and they can, of the NFL, the GPS data, the next gen stats, and they try to solve a problem. This year, the problem was about defense. It was about figuring out corners or safeties, anything to do with defensive backs. So they got to be creative from there. So they got to look at this data and come up with some cool stuff and they came up with some great stuff. So um, we had like over 200 submissions from across the globe, which was pretty rad. And then we narrowed it down and then we, you know, had them give presentations again. It's all on YouTube. If anyone wants to check it out, it's really nerdy, but it's really fun. But we got a chance to talk to John, which was so cool because let's be honest, nobody does it better and nobody has used it better. And nobody's more like honest about how they're using it. And what I really noticed about my best friend, John, was that he could clearly articulate what his expectations were. And that is the difference between a successful use of analytics and not like if you, if you know what you want someone to do and you can, and you can, um, if you know what you want someone to do and you can articulate that they're far more likely to give you what you want. If you were just trying to divine some sort of magic, then it's, it's not going to work out well for you. So that's, that's what we, that's what I learned from John his ability to communicate. It transcends like, you know, he can communicate in math talk. He can communicate in football talking. It just, it really, he bridges the gap so well that it's no wonder he's getting what he wants from his analytics staff. Cause it's so clear. Yeah. I think that's a really good insight because he talks all the time just about how 
like the relationship part, part of his role is is communicating to his staff what yep. they're trying to achieve and yep. and like there's all these different as you know you know certainly better than us like analytics is such a broad term that covers all Usually. this different ground and it and it oftentimes just gets boiled down to like did you go for it on fourth down or not but like it's so much more complicated <laughs> than that in the broadcast media, it's always like the analytics say. I'm like, what the heck are you talking? <laughs> analytics don't say anything. Like, no. <laughs> what are you talking about, crazy people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, well, that's really interesting. So, all right, we'll, we'll put you on the spot here to close it up. Who's going to yeah. be the pick at number 27? Gosh, I hope it's I hope it's my my wide receiver. I think that would yeah. be a, a nasty pick for you. I do think that um, I hope it's an offensive pick, mostly because. It's like I think probability wise, it's probably a defensive pick just based on how I see the draft playing out and the likelihood of the the people ahead of the Ravens to select some to leave open a defensive player that would be too tasty for for them to to leave behind. But I I, I would love to see another wide receiver. I want to see exactly like Lamar Jackson is a great passer, and I want to see just some nasty, some nasty, like physical guy, like Terrace Michael. Why do I keep calling him Terrace Michael? Terrace Marshall Jr. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I know his name. I think I Terrace like... Michael is, a, he's, he's like a seventh round pick. I think Terrace. Exactly. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, like that's stuck in my head today. But anyways, Terrace Marshall Jr. Um, I, for whatever, for whatever reason, I can't say it, but you know, as a guy like him that could bring that big body and just give you a little extra something like, I know Sammy Watkins is there, but I, I would like a little extra something from that mm. all right you're speaking <laughs> awesome. to the heart of, hearts of ravens fans a lot of ravens fans are uh, on your side on that one so that certainly would be an exciting pick here in baltimore well cynthia freeland is an nfl networks analytics expert you can follow her on twitter at c freeland let me spell that for people so they have this right at c f r e l u n d i have to spell my last name all the time cynthia Mink. i got it it just I got it. it doesn't come off right you know all what right? sometimes so, you call people whose last name marshall michael it happens stuff like this, <laughs> this stuff happens you know it just happens exactly well thank you so much for joining thank us you. cynthia we really appreciate it cool great stuff from cynthia here's my question to you garrett have you ever cheated on a math test or any other test <laughs> As she not, referenced, I, absolutely not. I don't cheat. Yeah, right. I mean, Come on, I, be honest with be honest with yourself. Be honest with me, and be honest with our listeners. Here, Have here, you here's, ever here's the truth. On a test, here's the truth. The other kids were looking at my test. If you were going to try to cheat, you were no! to, they looked to my no. test. You got to go to the smart kids. And I knew that there wasn't anyone in class smarter than me. So why am I going to look to cheat? They were all trying to get, get a glance at my here. test. You were the kid. All right. I'll, if you, if you, you know what? Next I'll be me. honest. You know what? I'll be honest. You know what? I'll be honest. All right. Cindy Orndorff <laughs> in high school, she was, the, she was the valedictorian and I was in math club and I might, you know, which is really funny because who cares about math club? Honestly. I mean, it wasn't like I was getting a grade on math club, but I, I might've snuck a little, little pixie. Look over. <laughs> then they kicked me out. They kicked me straight out of math club, Garrett. <laughs> Well, okay, none of that surprises me for a couple of reasons. One, as I said, <laughs> the smart kid isn't the one who's looking to cheat. So you were never the smart kid, so of course you were looking to cheat. That's one. Two, I was in math club. I just wasn't the smartest kid. I was yeah, in math exactly. club. Yeah, exactly. Right. It doesn't I'm matter. In the just because you're in the, in the club, that was probably a club that was open to anybody, and they were like, I guess we'll let this mink kid in. He's got nothing else to do after school. Two, two <laughs> anyone that's ever done anything competitive with you knows that you cheat. You cheat. I remember we ran the 40-yard dash several cheat. years ago. You cheat. You just talk about how you cheat. <laughs> yeah, several years ago, we ran the 40-yard dash, and they were on ready, set. 
I don't even know if they finished saying set yet, and you were out of the gate. You were out of the gate running. No, I was waiting. We're, I was we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to pull up the analytics on that one. All right, we'll check. <laughs> we'll check the analytics on who was faster. Okay, you and I. That's we should rerun it, and we'll wear the GPS trackers, oh, and we'll I, see who's faster. I would absolutely be down to do that. That would be my oh, opportunity to prove myself after all these years. I'm in. It's on. I'm in. It is on. All right. As much as I love talking about our 40 times, let's get a couple of emails here uh, before we wrap up today. Uh, again, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Um, here is an email. This comes to us today from Sam Reese. He says, hey, Ryan and Garrett, how's it going? I'm a big fan of the lounge. You two goofballs make it fun to listen while I play Madden. I guess that, that's probably a good segue after what <laughs> he, he just while Sam just listened to us talk about it 40 times. Uh, he said that the Mel Kuyper episode is always one of his favorites. He looks forward to that every year because of Mel's interesting viewpoint. Um, and then he also loves the fantasy drafts where Ryan usually gets smoked uh, throughout the year. <laughs> anyway, he said his potential Ravens picks are Landon Dickerson, Rondell Moore. Those are two guys that he really likes. I know you talk, you've talked about them a little bit. Could you elaborate some more? Let me just start with Dickerson. and then I'll Some it, Rondale Moore? Yeah, Rondale Moore. Well, um, well, I know, but he said, can you elaborate some Rondale Moore? It was a pun. Oh, I, okay. Stick I, with I, me here. I, I get what you're saying. Um, Dickerson, <laughs> I like as a player. I really do. I would be surprised if the Ravens took him in the first round, considering they need a guy. Like, he may not be available for the first three, four, five. Like, we don't know exactly when mm-hmm. he's going to be available to play. And for a team like the Ravens who are right there on the cusp, like they're knocking on the door, the window is open for them to win a championship, it would be tough to not have a guy, your first-round pick, available at the start of the season. And then when he comes back, you kind of have your offensive line set. Does he just step into the starting center job? I think that would be a tall order for a guy to come back from a major knee injury and step right in there. So as much as I like him, it would be a little bit surprising for me to see the Ravens take him in the first round. But if because of those concerns, he falls all the way to the second round. And sometimes this happens. Sometimes a guy who you get talked about in the first round mm-hmm. ends up falling way down. I'd be down with him as a second round pick. I think that would be oh, for sure. I, I think that would be surprising to, for it to happen that way. Um, but I, I would be surprised with him in the first. I, I wouldn't, I would put him in the category of my potential trade back guys. Okay. Like if he's on the board at 27 and the Ravens trade back into the whatever, let's say 36, whatever, you know, 34 or 38 into like kind of the high to mid second round. Like I think he could be a guy. I think he'd be good value right there. But I, I also like the prospect of potentially Creed Humphrey, the Oklahoma center. I think that he could be a good second round pick as well. You know, I guess I'm just not completely. I like drafting an offensive tackle. I think more than I do a center mm-hmm. because because I think the Ravens have you know they can use that guy at left guard right now. A tackle solves the short term problem of the center and the bad snaps and all that, and the long term problem of Orlando Brown leaving. Right. So that that's why I kind of like that, and and I also think that the Ravens. I think Daniel Jeremiah made this point, didn't he? That like. When you you when you're to the Ravens and you've hit on so many undrafted guys, I mean Skurl was a very he was a good center, especially before he suffered his knee injury. Yeah, he was good. You yeah. know, he was like a t- definitely t- a winnable center. Mm-hmm. I, I still I also think Patrick McCarry is a is a guy that you can win with. Pro- point proven by the fact that they have won a lot yeah, of games. Ravens have won a lot McCary. of games with Skurl and McCarry. 
Exactly. I mean, and so I don't know that you have to invest a high pick in it. If the value is right and those guys drop a little bit or, or whatnot, or you really like Creed Humphrey and feel like he's a deal at the end of the second round, sure, I'm fine with pulling the trigger, but I'd rather go offensive tackle. Right. And just so, just to elaborate just a touch more, the reason you say drafting a tackle who could play guard would solve the center issue is because then that tackle, let's just assume Orlando's right. on the team, then Orlando's at right tackle, this new Tevin Jenkins or someone in that mold goes to left guard, and then Bradley Bozeman goes to center. That's correct. So, yes, thank and you. then Rondell Moore. Uh, uh, one, yeah, Rondell Moore. So the, the thing I I was kind of debating, I was thinking about this the other night, one of my long nights awake. Um, like Nobody's talking about Elijah Moore from mm-hmm. Ole Miss as a potential wide receiver target for the Ravens. Again, maybe it's at 27, maybe he's a trade back guy. But I kind of like Ron, or I kind of like Elijah Moore a little bit better because he's two inches taller in part than Rondell Moore, who's 5'7". Yeah. 5'7". I don't know that I'm down with 5'7". Yeah, yeah. I, but I also said I wasn't down with Sammy Watkins, so who the hell knows? Um, so, <laughs> well, here's... Both of these guys are slot receivers. Really. I mean, Elijah Moore think, and Rondell I think Rondell Elijah Moore. Moore could go outside a little bit, but sure, yeah. Like, like that's why I haven't really thought about Elijah Moore, even though some people have him going before the Ravens are on the clock. Like, some people think that he could be, you know, the yeah. fourth receiver off the board after the big three, potentially. Um, I mean, the guy put up almost 1,200 yards in eight games last year. Yeah, super with productive. Eight touchdowns. He just seems... Super productive player. Super productive. Super productive player. Um, but the feeling seems to be that he does predict, project more as a slot guy. I mean, he is small. Elijah Morris, 5'9", 178. It's not like... That's a slot receiver type mold. Now, I, I recognize that, that Hollywood Brown is kind of in that same size frame. So, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, maybe maybe that's the miss. Maybe maybe like everyone's talking about the big receivers, Terrace Marshall Jr. and uh, Rashad Bateman, and then everyone just misses uh, Elijah Moore, who you know maybe he's just better. <laughs> you yeah, like, I mean, you want to have you want to have good size, speed, sure, but you also just want good player, and that's something that is at the top of the importance. Right. I mean, the guy ran a four three five. I mean, he, he's extremely quick, great hands, great production. Play Ole Miss, who they've had a few good wide receivers come out in recent years, including our guy, A.J. Brown, that we really liked. Yeah. T.K. Metcalf. They've had a lot of good wide receivers coming out of Ole Miss. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't hate the pick. I, I'd, be, I'd be a little surprised just because that isn't who we've thought of. But, you know, in the short term, if you think about Sammy Watkins is going to be your main X outside receiver, Hollywood's your other outside receiver, you put Elijah Moore in the slot. That's interesting. Now, I, I'd like to see Duvernay get a shot there too. Yeah. Do they can play outside also? You know, I just feel like this is, so, a, like, I'm just saying I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. I just like, I, I would be surprised with, if the Ravens took Rondell Moore or Elijah Moore. I think that Duvernay is a slot receiver. I, I liked him. I liked what I saw from him. And I feel like this is his chance to be the slot receiver. And then the type of receiver the Ravens would like is that bigger bodied guy. Um, I just, I, I go with the conventional wisdom on that one. So, um, yeah. All right, we are going to have another episode uh, coming up. We got two episodes coming up before the draft. Um, we're going to have Joe Ortiz, uh, director of player personnel, on uh, with 
we're going to talk to him tomorrow. That episode is going to run next week. And then we're going to do our full seven-round mock draft. So this is your chance to send in some more questions. You can email us, email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. It's going to, the seven-round mock draft is always one of my favorite episodes. By the way, this year, you got to stick to it. Whoever you take, you got to stick to it. You can't take a different person and all the different things that we have, a different person for the article, a different person for the say. video, different person for the podcast. No, you got to stick. You got to stick with it. No, well, well, no. Our pre-draft videos, I'm not locked into that one. No, that yeah, was already, already changing. Already I'll, changing. I will say, well, because every time we do the pre-draft videos, we're like, all right, who are you going to take? And if we all have the same guy, then somebody comes off it. And I'm just a team player. So I'm like, fine. I won't take the guy who I really think is going to be. I'll take this guy. Right? Well, that's they, what the, we the do. problem that's there the magic, is. That's the magic of, of uh, the movie business. It's the movie the, the thing there, the key there is, is, is once I say I'm interested in a the guy, then everyone else is like, oh, yeah, I'm interested in him too. Because I have such a great track record. You guys all just follow Get suit with, with whatever I say. Get out of here. Um, but I will, I will say this I will make my <laughs> final pick will, will mat, be matched. Whoever I say in the podcast for a seven round mock and whoever I put in writing, that will be my pick. Mm. and it'll be the same guy and it's going to be Tevin Jenkins so we already know that but um, we're just good it might be it might be it might be don't take my guy don't take my guy I might I might. Don't take my All right. That's it Don't for us. So we're, like I said, we're going to have Joe Ortiz on, and uh, he's going to give us some insight uh, from the Ravens front office leading into this draft. That should be a great conversation. So stay tuned for that coming up next week. 